My next guest is the pre and post game host for the New York Jets on SNY, as well as a 10, 10 year NFL defensive line. I want to welcome back on Mr. Lee J. Duzabo. Lee J., we got a, a wild week of football, even though there's really not much going on. <laughs> That's an understatement, man. It's the NFL woke up and, and decided to choose violence yesterday. So, you know, that's the NFL offseason for you. You just never know when to expect it, but always expect it. <laughs> Were you, why do you think Rodgers, why do you think this took so long if the contract's not even done yet? I just think Rodgers was working through some things. I really had heard that he kind of considered retiring. Like that was a, a viable and real option for him. So I, I believe he was working through that, uh, trying to see if he maybe wanted to go to Denver or somewhere else because he's never really been able to be a free agent. Kind of like Tom Brady felt when he left, you know, New England, like he wanted for once for, you know, a team to to really want him and go, go after him. I think ultimately uh, the brotherhood and everything he's built in Green Bay was too much and he just decided to come back. And they also, you know, even though they supposedly had the last dance, you know, picture and everything with him and, you know, Devontae Adams, I just think um, he saw the situation, saw, you know, Denver and saw the young quarterbacks and young gunners in that division was like, now nah, I'm going to just keep running the NFC North and, you know, hopefully get back to the NFC championship. And hopefully this time I can help get us over the hump. So I think he just took all that into consideration and, uh, you know, the relationship and love he built for Green Bay and decided to just, to just stay and run it back another year. Do you think this kind of screws Devontae if he doesn't get a long-term deal since, like, they had to wait until the tag deadline? And if he doesn't get it, he's just going to be on the tag this year. If he would have decided this two weeks ago, maybe they could have worked something out with Devontae and maybe they're not rushed now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think they have to work something out with Devontae Adams, right? Because um, this is a guy that many consider the number one receiver, uh, definitely probably the number one route runner in football without a doubt. I'd have him as my number one receiver right now. Um, he is getting up there in age. So like you want that, you know, future financial security and, um, you know, the franchise tax pays you a lot of money, but right. You want some more of that guaranteed money. So, you know, you're good for the next two to three years. So I think there's something that green Bay has to work out. And I have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, Darius Smith is rumored to probably most likely be released. I believe Preston Smith took the last year off his deal and he played really well. So somebody's going to pay him some money. So they have to rework some of that, you know, that money and take it. They, I think they've restructured a few players already. I think David Bautiari already restructured his deal. Uh, but they also have really good other free agents on defense, right? We talk about Rasul Douglas being there, um, the, the linebacker that they got on a one Campbell. One year, Campbell. Yeah, Campbell. He was Devondre amazing. Campbell. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent. And I don't know what that defense would have been without him. So it'll be interesting to see what they do because they had to you know, allocate so much money to Aaron Rodgers. And now Devontae Adams with a franchise tag and you know, we don't know what the true number is for Aaron Rodgers because, you know, he came out and said that, you know, the, the what Ian put out there wasn't true or what Adam Schefter put out there wasn't true as far as the numbers because, you know, that was the biggest thing. Everybody was saying he wanted to be, or potentially Greg Jennings came out and said he wanted to be the highest paid player in the league, but Aaron Rodgers saying that's not true. Supposedly he did a team-friendly deal to sign other guys. I guess we'll see when the true numbers truly come out, you know, what is the truth and what isn't the truth. So, you know, the Green Bay Packers probably have as, as much work to do as far as free agency and cleaning up the roster. The only other team that's probably closest to the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they're looking back to bring uh, Tunyon back? I know he missed last season with knee injury, but uh, Mercedes Lewis is like 53 years old. They need to kind of get a little bit younger tight end in there. Man, Mercedes just keeps on ticking. I played with Mercedes in 2010 and 2011, just to let you know how long ago that was. Um, this guy just, for some reason, just keeps getting it done. Literally, he's like he's found the fountain of youth. Yeah. Uh, Robert Tunyon, I really love. I think he would have got broke off in the open market if he didn't have the ACL. 
Um, fortunately, unfortunately for Green Bay, they maybe get him back on a, a cheaper one-year deal now because he's coming off the ACL. Um, or maybe, you know, a team is, is willing because ACLs aren't what they used to be and guys are coming back, you know, better from the ACLs. It used to be like two years before a guy was back to himself. Now it seems like guys are, you know, bouncing back a lot quicker from ACLs because modern medicine has advanced so much. Uh, maybe a team is out there is like, you know what, we're going to take a fire on him and give him a two-year deal, a nice little two-year deal. That way he feels, you know, financially stable and is willing to sign with us. So, it'll be, again, it'll be interesting to see because so much money is going to be allocated to Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. What do the Green Bay Packers do? Because they have so many free agents. Apparently they said, like, although Denver was, like, the number one alternative, they said there was never any – discussion with their front yeah. office do you, you think the titans i feel like the, i feel like if they weren't going to go nfc the titans are the number one option talking about for aaron Rodgers, yeah outside of Denver, yeah, yeah yeah i i would i would think so uh just listening to nathaniel hackett he was like well that's tampering so we're not talking about aaron Rodgers or anything of that nature because he's you know technically still under contract um i think ultimately I think that the thing Hackett didn't want to have to deal with that drama of, you know, him leaving Green Bay and then trying to bring everybody over there and just decided to go another route with Russell Wilson, just because it would have brought less drama to the situation. Now it was something that a lot of people didn't expect. I didn't expect. I honestly thought the Washington football team was, you know, in firm command of potentially getting Russell Wilson. And there's rumors that it, they might've actually offered a better deal Three than the Denver Broncos. Yeah. But I believe the Sam, you know, Seattle didn't want to see Russell Wilson in the same NFC. So they decided to trade him to that quarterback heavy AFC and get him out of the division. So uh, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I can see Tennessee maybe being the play. But again, I think Aaron Rodgers sat back and looked and was like, okay, if I go to AFC, I got to see Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. I also have to see Justin Herbert, right? Now I got to see Russell Wilson, even though the deal happened before Russell officially, yeah. you know, got traded over there. Let's not forget Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are still in that division. Yeah. So that's seven really good quarterbacks that I'm going to have to see in the playoffs just to make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a chill in the AFC. I don't, yeah. I don't want that smoke. <laughs> why do you, why do you think the Russ deal happened so quickly after the Rodgers deal? If they claimed there was no discussion between Green Bay and Denver, it almost feels like they, they said Russell was plan A, but it feels like he was plan B. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was part of it. They were still trying to do their due diligence on, uh, you know, the Aaron Rodgers thing. And once they knew that that, you know, wasn't going to be a viable option and Aaron Rodgers decided to stay, then they were like, well, we have to get a quarterback because we have a team that's ready to win now. We have really three good young receivers. You know, they, they traded away their young tight end. Uh, I'm also surprised that, you know, Seattle, even though they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, didn't try to get Jerry Judy a part of that deal. There's no way in hell I'm making that deal with either without having Jerry Judy or Bradley Chubb. One of those two would have had to be part of that deal yeah. for me to, to give away all this these assets and uh, get Russell Wilson back. Like, there's no way that Jerry Judy or Bradley Chubb wouldn't have been part of that deal. That just surprised me that they were able to do that. Now, Shelby Harris is a really good player. Noah yeah. Fan has showed he can be a pretty good tight end. Um, definitely a receiver threat more than a blocking threat. But again, I'd have to I would have to get a, a starter front line guy, guy like, you know, Jerry Judy or, or Bradley Chubb. But um, we'll see, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, I've said he's in decline the last year and a half. His players showed that people will look at the numbers. Sometimes stats lie to you. All right. Because we saw, you know, even before the injury to the finger, they were really playing well on offense. And then the back half of the season before 
when they, you know, Russell, everybody was talking about Russell's the front runner for MVP. Last eight games of the season, he didn't really play well. They went from scoring about 30 something a game to right under like 20, 21 points a game. So, you know, everybody was talking about Russ Cook, but the Seattle Seahawks have always been better when they've been balanced on offense. And we even saw that this year, even in the lost season, when they were winning games at the back half of the year, it's because Rashad Penny started coming alive and that running game got going. So it'll be real interesting to see because now he has all the weapons he needs, right? He has a really decent, good, pretty good, decent offensive line. You know, Bobby Massey, um, Garrett Bowles is coming to his own. Um, I like the kid from um, – what is Merritt's uh Merritt's the dude that has has a stomach up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Merritt, Clint, Graham. Yeah, yeah. So they have a pretty good offensive line over there. And he has the weapons on the outside. And Javante Williams is the all-star. So, like, there's no excuses. Now, granted, he's gonna be in the hardest division in football. So if he doesn't, I think Richard Sherman said it perfectly. If if he doesn't get it done there, people are gonna get fired. Right. They yeah. brought him in there to put, compete and get back to the AFC championship game and get into the Super Bowl. The only thing is he's in the gauntlet of a division now. Who do you think is the next quarterback domino to fall? <sighs> I think it's Jimmy Garoppolo. It has to be right. Uh, San Francisco has to figure out what they're going to do with him. Honestly, I wouldn't mind him keeping him because I think he's only on the books for like 20 million. And granted, that's still a lot of money, but that's not top tier quarterback money now. Like guys are getting 40, 50 million dollars. Yeah. So like if you can keep a guy at 20 million dollars and Trey Lance still isn't, a, you know, ready, and even though they put so many assets, you know, to get him, they gave up so many assets to get him. He essentially has no choice but to be ready. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is a team that went to the NFC championship game with Jimmy at quarterback. So like, why not run it back if you can't, you know, they're probably not going to get a first round pick because everybody knows the situation. They know that you know, they're going to go with Trey Lance. But say something happens to Trey Lance, he got banged up twice last year. You got Jimmy as your backup. I mean, what better backup to have? A guy that led you to the Super Bowl and a guy that led you to an NFC Championship game. Granted, he didn't have the greatest stats, but he helped with, you know, with that team, with his leadership and what he did. And he made, he made some big-time throws in a few of those playoff games, just couldn't get it done versus the Rams with the game on the line with about a minute on the clock. Yeah. But um, the, the interesting thing is, like, do why does Washington go in on him now today? Since they lost on Russell Wilson, would you know San Francisco be comfortable trading him within the division? Is another question, right? I, and I think yeah. they would, just because we're at the you know the tenth hour as far as you know, there's only so much more you can do before free agency hits. Not that there's a lot of big names in the quarterback market in free agency. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky has been getting a lot of praise lately. Um, there's rumors. <clears throat> excuse me, that he could go to the New York Giants and, yeah. you know, compete with Daniel Jones. Um, you got to feel for Daniel Jones. Like, how do you get a, a, a real evaluation when your offensive line was decimated, your playmakers on the outside are decimated? Now there's a potential guy coming in here, breathing down your neck, but that's the NFL. It's about pressure. Can you, you know, rise to the pressure? So it'll be interesting to see because um, the last time we saw Mitchell Trubisky starting, it didn't look too well. The guy still has a positive, you know, touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah. Pro bowler. Been, I think he's pro bowler a couple years ago. Been a pro bowler and has been to the playoffs, um, but just in big situations hasn't been able to get it done. Um, so we'll see, man. Sometimes you just need a fresh start. Maybe the fresh start in Buffalo helped him, and now he's ready to you know take on the reins of potentially being a starting quarterback again. I want to get your thoughts on the whole Calvin Ridley situation the other day. I've heard that in if you walk into some NFL facilities, there's a lead, like posters like "Don't bet." Is that is that true? <laughs> That is true. That was true when I was playing. It's probably even that was more before so the now. partnerships with all the sports. I was going to say it's probably even more so now because of the partnerships and it's just in your face all the time. Um, granted, we kind of talked about this off camera. I could I could see the NFL maybe reducing it 
to maybe eight games. Uh, it just depends on if he, if he stays off of Twitter and shows remorse. Yeah. Um, yeah, somebody grab Calvin Ridley's phone, please. Just take it away <laughs> from him. Let him do the appeal process and then give it back to him. Um, because he wasn't even playing when he bet, right? So it wasn't like – and, again, he was betting on his team to win. So I'd, I'd understand if he was betting, you know, again, we talked about this, Zach, if he was betting to cover or betting for them to lose, yeah. <laughs> betting the yeah. money line on the other team. Yeah. But he was betting on his team to win. So, um, granted, you can't do that because the integrity of the game means too much. You want to make sure players aren't jeopardizing the integrity of the game and changing the results of the game because of betting. So I understand why they had to come down so hard. I just thought a year was was kind of kind of harsh for a guy that wasn't even playing and betting on his own team. Yeah, I want to know if he won the bet. They never said that. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, why even risk it? Like he literally lost a million, eleven the, million dollars. That's the worst bet. You bet fifteen hundred to lose eleven million. Those are the what's the worst crazy. bad beat of all time? Worst, hands down, worst odds ever. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I and I I thought it was weird that apparently the Falcons like they just found this out recently. I figured like there'd been an investigation going on for a couple months. Apparently they just they've just found this out like well, a month. Well, it depends, right? So the NFL hired I think certain groups to look at different betting sites to see if players are doing such things as Calvin really was doing. So um, I think they've known for a while. I'm not going to say they've known for like months and months, but I would say probably at least a month because I know the Jets were heavy doing their due diligence of potentially trading for him. I know a lot of teams were because, I mean, this guy's a proven pro bowler, one of the best route runners in football, and he's explosive with the ball in his hands and he can get open. So, I mean, why wouldn't you do your due diligence if he's not happy at one place and potentially wants to leave? I think every team was giving the Atlanta Falcons a call, seeing what it would take for Calvin really to come in and while also doing their due diligence on his mental space and see where he was at, seeing if he wanted to continue to play football. So um, I think this is something they've known for maybe a month. I'm not going to say they've known for three or four months, but they also did a really good thing and heads up thing by not trading him, knowing that this news was coming down. Do you think a lot of guys uh, like indirectly, maybe for a Super Bowl will place bets through other people just so they don't get in trouble? Uh, I would say friendly betting has been going on in the locker room yeah. for a long time. So not like saying. not like that. Yeah. Like so that, let's say so obviously the, the Rams and the Bengals and Super. Let's say somebody like on the Buccaneers. They obviously they're like no, I don't want to throw I'm throw a grand on the game, and they'll ask their spouse to do it for them. Do you think that kind of stuff goes on? I'm, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it, right? Yeah. Because you know it's possible deniability. Your hands yeah, aren't you on can, it. Because you can't. You can't. It. Yeah. You, you can't, can't prove trust, you can't, that I made no. that bet. I, I wouldn't surprise me. I, no. we've, we've all seen that. You know, guys like Floyd Mayweather make crazy yeah. bets all the time while he was in a sport he, he bets on boxing as well so uh it wouldn't surprise me if if guys have you know somebody else potentially making their bets for them again wouldn't surprise me but yeah. you know friendly friendly wagers happen yeah. all the time yeah absolutely that's <laughs> why i mean because i know i know like it's different like with fantasy like can't guys play fantasy football so like yeah first at first they couldn't right yeah. not even friendly but then they changed yeah. the rule where you can play but you're not allowed to do like a money pool or anything yeah even then, I would not be surprised if no. guys are doing money pools on yeah. fantasy football. And I want to ask, ask you about the about the Jets. Obviously, you guys were picking four and ten? ten Correct. Right? Four and um, ten. So is Kyle Hamilton a lock at four? Tuh! I pray to God not. And this is nothing. This is not an indictment on Kyle Hamilton. It's an indictment on the position. Like, that's a premium pick for the safety position, for the center position, for the running backs. Like, I just I, – it's too rich for me. I couldn't do it. Um, people keep you throwing the word unicorn around and you have to be careful when you throw the word unicorn around a unicorn is, you know, a fairy tale figment of imagination animal um, that 
you rarely ever see in your life, right? Or maybe once in your life. That's not what Kyle Hamilton is, right? Yeah. So he's a really good player, shows good range, shows versatility to play in the slot, play deep in the middle, play in the box. Uh, again, it's going to have a really good career. I just think the drop-off from him to Daxton Hill, to Jaquan Bergsker, to Jalen Petrie is not that significant to Lewis Seen where you had to take him in the top 10. Uh, again, going to be a really good player. I, it's just too rich for me to take him in the top 10. Would you grab uh, Thibodeau if he falls? Uh, Zach, you, you're trying to set me up because you know you've been following me on Twitter. You know I'm not a huge Kayvon Thibodeau fan. And I think he's going to be, again, another good player that I think is going to have a really good career. Um, the things that question that are question marks for me are linear quickness and hip tightness, right? Um, some of the things that we would have been able to see if he had did the drills. And I think that's why a lot of scouts, personnel, GMs were kind of upset that he did not do that at the combine because that was that was the question mark for him. We knew he was going to have a fast 40. I knew he could run straight line speed because yeah. all he does is speed and speed to power. Like he has pretty good bend, right? But he cannot flip his hips. And as a good rusher, you got to be able to take away that punching surface from offensive tackles. You got to be able to be able to run on the edges of your feet and flip your hips. And he struggles with doing things like that. And you haven't seen an array, arraignment of pass rush moves from him. Like Jermaine Johnson from leaving Georgia to Florida State, worked on this game, worked on his hand usage. But just leaving from Florida State to the senior bowl, his hands have gotten immensely better. He pulled out a bag of pass rush array moves that I hadn't seen him use all year long. That shows you that he cares about the game, knew that that was one facet of his game that he really needed to work on and hone in on. And he did that. Uh, and I just haven't seen that from, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau as far as the hand usage. It just has not been there. And when you're taking a guy in the top five, like you want him to, you know, I'm not saying be ready, ready made, but you want some of those tools to already be there. And then, of course, it's the coach's job to, to, to redefine the, those tools and then make sure that he can take the next step in his game as a, as a pass rusher and as a, a run defender. And to me, Jermaine Johnson is the best run defender now. Kayvon Thibodeau is a really good, you know, run defender as well. He plays hard, gives off the ball hard. I just question his linear, you know, quickness and then some of his, his hip tightness as far as being able to be a truly good, effective rusher in the NFL. Because those, those tackles he was going against in the Pac-12, man, none of those guys will go in the top five rounds. Let's just be honest with you. Yeah. Um, there was only a, one guy at the senior bowl from UCLA. He might go fifth round. The tight end? Well, uh, the, the oh, no, they had one. I think they had yeah, one yeah. tackle as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the, also, like, the guy that they keep showing in UCLA film was the backup tackle when he was beating them. Now, granted, if there's a fish on the line, you got to hook him. Like, you're supposed yeah. to, you know, destroy a guy like that. But, you know, when you're projecting the guy and what he might be, you have to take that into consideration. What, what about Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati? You like that fit? Oh, my God. So I, I love Sauce Gardner. Like, honestly, last year in that heavy cornerback class in the first round, he would have been in the mix to go as high as any of those guys. And you're talking about a guy like J.C. Horner, I think it's going to be really good. Patrick Sertain, who was really good, I thought he was in the mix to be just as good as any of those guys. Um, we've got three years of tape of this guy not only not giving up a touchdown, but strapping guys like quarterbacks literally scared to even throw his direction. So Cincinnati ended up having a really good corner on the other side because he was tested so much, yeah. uh, tested so much that he ended up winning the, the best corner award in the nation. Um, and, and Kobe Bryant, and I believe he'll come off the board in like the third round. He's a really good proven corner as well. But Sauce Gardner, you're talking about the arm length, the size 6'2", about 200 pounds, running a 4-4-1, almost a sub-4-4. Um, he tucked off every back box, flew it in the hips, 
um, is a dog in man coverage, likes to be on the island, but has shown really well in zone coverage and being able to drop off in zone. A guy that will come up and hit you in the run game, which is, to me, an underrated part of his game because so many teams are scheming up defenses now where they want to make the corner tackle a running back one-on-one, make the safety tackle a running back one-on-one. You see Tennessee Titans do it all the time with Derrick Henry. Well, all you got to do is turn on the college football playoff game versus Alabama. You see this guy smacking running backs and smacking receivers in the open field. Like this guy brings it play in and play out. I just love his demeanor, his swag, his confidence. Um, to me, he's a sure top 10 pick. And if he failed to the Jets, even though the Jets don't put a high precipice on taking corners and secondary members in the early in the first round, it'd be hard pressed not to take him unless Jermaine Johnson is there at 10. Then you, you're you're at the combine in Indy. Obviously, a lot of people are talking about it's not the best quarterback class. Was anybody that either a few interviews or on field workouts? I know not everybody did everything that kind of intrigued yeah. you. Yeah, I mean Malik Willis, and this is going back to the Senior Bowl. I think he had his best day in the mon in a monsoon at practice. I believe it was a Thursday practice there, or even maybe Wednesday practice. It was raining, and he had his best day. Threw the ball with confidence. Uh, this dude has a cannon, Zach. I'm talking about if the ball flicks out of his hand and goes 60 yards easily. Um, there were some some issues with accuracy, but the arm strength is there, and I think he'll be able to work on some of the accuracy. I know we saw that with Josh Allen again, not calling him Josh Allen, but yeah. we saw that earlier on in his career. And this guy's a physical runner with the ball, just like Josh Allen, right? It's really hard to bring him down. Like he's it's like bumper cars, he just bounces off of people. So, you know, you see those unique tools and you think you know a team might be, you know, take a filler on him. There's been rumors that the Lions were super impressed with him. It could maybe potentially that. take him at number two, um, which would be a major surprise to me. I don't think any quarterback is warranted a number two pick, but it could be like the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars where with, you know, Blake Bortles, right? Do you wait and did not get a quarterback at all? Or do you just take the guy and hope that he pans out right? right? And I think, you know, for Jacksonville, they ended up going to the AFC Championship. So I, I, th- I think that was a pretty good bet on their half, even though, you know, Blake Bortles sometimes gets a bad rap. You know, he was a consistent quarterback. I think still to this day has the highest completion percentage in a playoff game. So, um, you know, it just depends on how much do they like him. Can they trade back to maybe like the number seven or eight spot and potentially get him? But now it seems like there could potentially maybe be two quarterbacks taken in the top 10 with, you know, Carolina being there, Seattle now being there and, and potentially needing a quarterback. Do they, you know, take a quarterback? So do they are they able to trade back to like the number seven spot maybe and get a quarterback? Or get Malik Willis, or do they wait to the end of the first round, which they do have a first round pick, or use that first round pick at the end of the first round to try to trade up to get, you know, uh, a Malik Willis or somebody else? So it'll be interesting to see. This is the one draft I would say, Zach, that nobody knows what's going to happen. Like they literally know, yeah. don't know what's going to happen. No. Like there's no consistency, number one. I think to me, Aiden Hutchinson makes the most sense to the Jacksonville Jaguars just because. This league is built off passers and pass rushers, right? And Josh Allen needs a book inmate. They just, you know, re-tagged Cam Robinson, which I thought was smart, right? I've been saying this for the longest. Like, to me, Jacksonville needs to go Aiden Hutchinson because you have to be able to affect the quarterback. And right now, Josh Allen is getting beat up because he's getting tripled and double teamed every single play because they have no other viable rushers up front. Well, you pair him with Aiden Hutchinson, now, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be getting one-on-ones. And then if he starts to affect the quarterback, now Josh Allen – We'll start coming alive in one-on-one pass rush, and you can use him in multiple ways. And Cam Robertson is a really good left tackle. Now, he's not the best left tackle in football, but he's a viable left tackle. And I think they did the right thing by bringing him back, franchising him. Hopefully, they can work out a deal with him. So, you know, Trevor Lawrence feel like feels like he has stability at the left tackle position going forward. 
besides uh, Hutchinson, Evan Neal from Alabama, and uh, Icky Iquano from NC State, yeah. do you think there's anybody else that go number one? No. I don't see anybody else going number one. Those are those are the guys right there. Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, and uh, Icky Iquano are the three guys that are potentially going at the number one spot. Again, to me, it, it's just a no-brainer to take Aiden Hutchinson just because you signed your left tackle. So, I mean, technically you could take, you know, Iquano and slide him over to right or even guard, but are you taking them one overall to slide him over to right and guard and not play left tackle? Um, I don't know. I mean, if the Jets take him at number four, he's probably most likely going to start a guard. And I honestly believe he can be a all pro guard. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, uh, I, I can't remember the last time a guy went number one overall and then played right tackle and guard yeah. right away, you know, because they just said Cam Robinson. So you don't franchise tag a guy and not have him play his position. Like, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Were there any guys throughout your, your the weekend there that kind of you think besides maybe like even like a Jordan Davis that just impressed the hell out of everybody so much that you're going to see them fly off the board on draft night? Yeah, I think Jermaine Johnson. This is a guy that I was high on before everybody else was high on. I think going into the senior bowl, had him as a late first, early second. After two practices, I said, this dude's – and I tweeted, I said, Jermaine Johnson is gone by pick 20. And people looked at me crazy. I said, okay. Jermaine Johnson's gone by pick 20 because I know I know defense online play. And what he what he brought to the field as far as I already knew he was the number one edge rusher. I mean, edge player as far as run defender. But what he brought to the table was a pass rusher. And we talked about this earlier, Zach, the bag that he got into just from leaving Florida State to the senior bowl and the, the assortment and arraignment of moves that he was able to dis- deploy at the senior bowl. Nobody else had that. He literally was dominant for two days. So much, Zach, so Zach, that he left. And didn't even practice the third day because there's nothing that could have happened but him getting hurt and, you know, losing ground on his stock that he had already built. So it was smart for him to leave after the second day. There was no need for him to be there anymore because he was that dominant at the senior bowl. So he was a guy that really impressed me. And then the sub, you know, one, five, five in the 10 yard split is just astronomical. Like that's ridiculous. Get off. Everybody's talking about KT's explosive. Like how about a one, five, five split? Like, that is like at the 98 percentile. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, he's not human for that. Uh, another guy that really impressed me in the receiving group, receiving group was really deep. Um, there's a lot of sub 4-4 guys. But Christian Watson is a guy that I think is going to slide up a lot of people's draft board. I had him as a late first-round pick uh, before the senior bowl. And after the senior bowl, it didn't change my mind. Uh, I think he might slide to the second round or maybe get in the late first round. But you're talking about a guy that's six foot four, Zach, 211 pounds, and runs a sub 4-4. But runs and plays like that on the field. Like I've never seen a guy, I'm not saying never, but it's rare to see a guy his size get in and out of breaks as quick as he does. He was routing guys up at the senior bowl. So I think he's a guy that had a really good workout that will, you know, shoot up draft boys. And then the defensive line as a whole was, you know, worked out really well. You know, Devontae Wyatt is a guy that I probably am not as high on. Um, I think his senior bowl tape is extremely better than his Georgia tape. Um, as far as him being able to pass rush, but the way they use him in Georgia kind of negated some of the his good attributes as far as being explosive. We saw that in the forty running a you know a, a four seven eight or four seven seven, I believe he ran. You see the quickness and the get off, and we saw that in one on one pass rush at the Senior Bowl. Didn't see it as much, you know, on the Georgia film. But I think it's because they had him almost in them four point stands in those frog stances, so you couldn't really see the explosiveness. Um, he's a guy that I think teams that need a three technique, you know, penetrating three technique, he'll be perfect for another guy, Perry and Winfrey, who also, I believe, ran in the four eights. Um, I loved him at the senior bowl. They used him terribly. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a the word. They they didn't use his skill set properly at, 
University of Oklahoma. They had him over the center, and they had him doing a lot of slant. This guy is a penetrating three technique, and he was the MVP of the senior bowl for a reason. Um, he could not be blocked either. He was dominant inside on pass rush and in the run game, just creating havoc in the backfield. So a team like Seattle maybe in the second round, uh, you know, that he'd be perfect for that scheme fit. Um, the Jets, but the Jets are kind of deep at D-tackle, but he'd also be perfect for that scheme fit. San Francisco, you know, uh, Devon Kinlaw has been banged up. You know, that, yeah. that's a guy in the second round that you could really use um, to, to affect the quarterback and get out there. Because you know in this game you got to – affect the quarterback the defense is predicated off the defensive line hunting and getting to the quarterback so those those guys were guys that really impressed me the defensive line group as a whole tested really well yeah now let's get one more question for you so the, the receiver group this year i think it's kind of there's a people some people have a consensus on the, the best guy is i think this is kind of all over the place because you got you got drake london from usc who's coming off the broken ankle you got james yeah. from alabama is coming off the torn knee um yeah. Traylon burke did not have a good um combine but he's like he's a freak whoa, whoa, okay let's stop right there why did you All say right. he didn't have a good combine? i heard he didn't run well i heard the vertical didn't do well but i heard i heard in terms of interviews interviews and stuff i heard i guess his drills i heard they didn't do good, do too well they thought he'd do better but you realize this guy's six foot four two that's what i mean that's what i think he's the best receiver in, in the group but I think, so me, I he's he's my favorite receiver yeah after watching tape and he's um, hunting, hunting hogs with a knife, which is an yeah. underrated quality so, like, receiver. He's, so I want to He's that. six foot four, 225, almost 230 pounds, 230 pounds, ran a four five oh. Like to put that in, you know, perspective, I believe Alave weighs like 180, 190. Yeah, Garrett okay, Wilson fair. weighs 190. So you're talking about a guy that's 40 to 50 pounds heavier than him. But that's why I also say Christian Watson, what he did was spectacular. You know, 211 pounds running a sub four four is ridiculous. But if you turn on tapes, Traylon Burks just separates from people, right? It's because he's a build-up speed guy. So yeah. the first 10 isn't going to be there. I would love to see what his 20 to 40 was as far as clocking what his miles per hour were on speed. Because you see it time and time again, him walking off with guys in the SEC, the best conference in football, right? Yeah. So he wasn't just doing it in the Pac-12, no disrespect, but disrespect. Um, <laughs> he was walking off on guys in the SEC, like killed Alabama. Like turn on the Alabama film. Granted, those corners struggled this year from Alabama. Yeah. It was probably the weakest part of their team. But he was separating from them. And usually guys from Bama have speed. Like, he was walking off on those dudes. So, I mean, uh, he did it versus Mississippi State, walking off on those guys as well. Um, this guy, to me, doesn't have a complete route tree because they didn't ask him to do that Ar yeah. Ar in Arkansas. So, he has to go to an offensive corner that can be very inventive and figure out how to get him the ball and also a good receiver coach to help him on some of those routes that he didn't run at the college level. Cause he really only ran slant close ran to the flat and screen. That's literally what he did yeah. at Arkansas, but like teams knew it was coming. And then the back shoulder fade teams knew it, were, knew, knew it was coming. They couldn't stop him. So I'm most intrigued by him and his athleticism and what his upside can be. Um, but again, this is a deep receiver class. Like there's going to be guys that go in the second, maybe even third round. They're going to be really good players in the NFL. Yeah, well, Burke. So like they, they compared him to Debo because you can kind of move him all over the place, and then he's kind of built I, like a, I, they got to stop Debo. You don't like that? Debo like is different. I compare him more to Demarius Thomas. Rest in peace. Okay. I think because Demarius went to Georgia Tech, so his his route tree wasn't crazy. But Dem Demarius could get up a lot faster than Traylon. But I think Traylon has more long speed than Demarius and. They're built in the same way where like corners and DBs don't tackle them one on one just because they're stronger than everybody. So I think a better comp for him to me is Demarius Thomas. So if you got a comp like that, why do you have a guy 
like London, who's coming off a broken ankle, why do people value him so much higher? If you, you saw with some but, of these, but, do, but do people people value him much higher? Is the question right? Because he's coming off the injury, yeah. and he's and he's kind of he's he actually gained a lot of weight, right? Because I was nervous about that being six foot four, only two hundred pounds. Like when you're six foot four, you got to be at least two ten, right, to carry that height to, to to equal out that weight distribution, especially when you're taking hits in the NFL. But I think he weighed in at closer to two eleven, which I was happy to see. Um, he's more of a, you know, jump ball guy, uh, contested 50, 50 catch guy. The red's always going to help you extremely well. I just think you could do more with Traylon Burks than you can do with Drake London. I think they're both really good players. Um, I honestly, you know, first, I think people had Drake London maybe going in the top 12, 15. I would not be surprised if he fell in the twenties though. So if you're the judge GM, you got picks four and 10, who are you taking? A perfect draft to me. And this is me. If Equanu falls to you at four, you take him just because it's best player available. And I think he's going to be a perennial pro bowler at guard or right tackle. Um, and then if Jermaine Johnson falls to 10, you take him. But I don't think he's going to fall to 10. If he isn't, then I would not be mad with Sauce Garner or David Ojabo, who I think, to me, David Ojabo, the defensive end from Michigan, has the biggest upside of any end in this draft because you don't know what he can be. Like, he does so many things naturally because he hasn't played football that long. The kid lived in Scotland. And uh, you heard Aiden Hutchinson the other day at the combine doing the interview saying there were certain things he would ask questions on. Aiden Hutchinson, like, how do you not know that? And he remembered, oh, he hasn't played football that long. Yeah. So you're talking about a guy with just natural ability who naturally just flips his hips at the top of the route, ran a four, I think ran a four or five, five. So you know the explosiveness is there. I would like to see his 10 yard split be a little bit, you know, quicker. I think it was only like, it was like a one, seven, six, but you saw the pickup speed for him to run a four, five, five if his 10 yard split was one, seven, six. So this is a guy that can get off the ball, can flip his hips naturally. He's just raw when it comes to the game. So I think him going to the Jets would actually be good because he wouldn't be asked to be the guy right away. Um, Talked to Carl Lawson, saw him two weeks ago, looks really good. Hopefully he bounces back and he's close to 80 to 85% when the season starts, maybe closer to 90, 95, middleway through the season. So if you say if you see that and you see John Franken Myers, who the Jets just played on the other side, David Ajabo's a third. Yeah, it's a third in, right? So you're not asking him to do too much. You bring him on third down, let him rush. And every once in a while, let him supplement, you know, Carl Lawson and also um, John Franken Myers. So he's only taking 35 to 40% of the snaps his first year as he builds that confidence and starts learning the game of football because he has to learn the game of football still. Yeah. But I think he has the highest upside. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait. Combine was awesome. I mean, there's not really not much going on. We got a couple of big trades this week. Free agency starting next week. But do appreciate the time. Um, but you guys ramping up some of your pre-draft coverage as kind of draft years. I'm so sorry. Say it one more time, Zach. Yeah, you, is, are you guys kind of sort of ramping up your kind of draft coverage? Because we're really about a little, a little over a month well, away. More free agency, right? Because free agency yeah. is next week. Um, be really, I'm really hammering your way at free agency this week and I'll do that probably for the next two weeks. And uh, I've done so a lot of, not that I'm anywhere near done with draft, uh, you know, analyst work and, and draft coverage. Um, but, you know, I went to senior bowl, I went to Indy. So I've done a lot of my due diligence on you know, a, a lot of these recruits and I'll get back on it after, you know, another week or two after free agency hits. Cause right now it's all about free agency going into next week. And, you know, after that, then I'll start revving up draft prep again. Actually one more for you. Um, uh, Jets have been linked to a lot of these uh, receivers that are on the market. You think that's going to happen? But that's the thing. Like the receiver market is thin now, right? Because Mike Williams, who I said, I told people a long time ago, they thought he was going to hit for agency. I was like, there's no way. Chargers have way too much money, which was a surprise to me. Yeah. And they have too much value. They, like, they value him way too much to let him go in for agency. And we saw that he signed a three-year $60 million deal. 
um, which rightfully so, it made sense to, to keep him and Keenan Allen together, especially with Justin Herbert, especially when he, they're only paying him on his rookie deal still. Yeah. And you're going to have to pay him in another year or two. Um, why not bring back Mike Williams to try to make him run at this thing? Also, you look at um, a guy like Chris Godwin, franchise tag, a guy like Devontae Adams, franchise tag, Michael Gallup, most likely will be re-signed by the Cowboys yeah. from all intents and purposes. That's what I heard. Uh, Mark Cooper will probably be released. Um, the thing is now this is two teams that have kind of let him go. One traded him and the other team decided to let him go because his cap number was a little bit too high. And he has, uh, in certain situation, he has a knack of disappearing when you need him the most. So there's question marks there. I think Allen Robertson's mark is going to be robust because he's going to be the only true number one receiver yeah. out there. But do people look at his age? And I believe he's only 28. And then yeah. the production slipped last year. Granted, it was Chicago Bears. They didn't give him the ball. He's got like yeah, they didn't a get, game. They didn't get him a lot of targets. It just depends on where teams project him and what they see him as. But he's going to have a robust market. But the Jets, I don't know if they'll be in the free agent market like that. Now, it also depends on if Braxton Berrios resigns, right? Because he does so much thing, so many things for that team as far as special teams. He's the fourth receiver. So if Elijah Moore ever gets, you know, banged up, he slides right into the starting role. If they lose him, then a guy like Cedric Wilson, I can see them maybe potentially getting um, on a really good deal. Guys on, on that level, you know, getting a deal like that done with them. So it just depends on what happens to, to Braxton Berrios. And the Jets are still looking for a number one receiver, but I think they'll try to get him in the draft because um, the only other number one receiver out there that's going to be available is Allen Robinson. And then, you know, yeah. I guess Amari Cooper. Yes, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to get rolling. But do appreciate the time as always. I'm happy people follow you on social media and keep up with you. Yeah, follow me at Leger Doosable, L-E-G-E-R-D is in dog, O-U-Z-A-B-L-E. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs>